0: You are not here to do what men do. You're just not. If that were the case, men would be having babies and naturally and doing all that stuff as well. And we're here to play our roles together. Like we're here to literally play together, not to be better than each other.
1: Welcome to the 1,000 Day Sober Podcast. My name is Lee Davy. I am not an alcoholic. I refuse to be anonymous. I'm someone that doesn't drink alcohol, and I spend every waking moment of my life helping other people do the same. Like right now. I am going to be talking to the amazing Casey Warwick. But uh, before I do, why did I get Casey on here? Well, you know, you hear me banging on about this a lot. I really do believe that at the heart of this puzzle that we call addiction is a lack of relational literacy. You can thank Melanie Joy for getting that and drilling that into my head. Um, Lack of a Positive and beautiful relationship with ourselves and lack of a positive, beautiful, and respectful relationship with others, respecting ourselves as well. I just missed that one out in the first time around. So, I've been doing some work with Casey in the Kaboom coaching platform. Um, she's actually my coach in that platform, and I've got to know her really well. I like her style, and she specializes in relationships and in, in, is an embodiment coach. So, I really am learning. So much more about moving away and stepping away from rationality and logic and moving more into our intuition and and energy and uh, really trusting our gut when it comes to uh, relationships and whatever uh, we need to act as a rudder to steer us through this life, right? So that's why I got Casey on. And uh, I'm not going to waffle on too much more. Uh, Casey is uh, an embodiment coach, like I said, who specializes in relationships. Uh, Some of her secret weapons behind uh, this movement, she's a master NLP practitioner. She's a hypnotherapist as well. Uh, She's worked with and learned from uh, the best in the business, including the likes of Tony Robbins, Joe Dispenza, Gabby Bernstein, and Preston Smiles. And Casey's journey into coaching started when she decided to step into the world of personal training only to realize that most of the women and men working with her had deep trauma that needed to be healed. So Casey shifted her focus from not only health and fitness, but into understanding behavioral psychology, kind of figuring out why we think and why we act, hence the term embodiment in her coaching. She's also served in the military. That's why as a coach, she doesn't take no shit. And I really appreciate that from her. And she has a deep understanding of the human mind and how we sabotage ourselves. And we talked a lot about self-sabotage today. We talked about masculine feminine energy, and a whole lot more. So I'm going to leave you in the capable hands of Casey Warwick. But before I do, make sure that you head over to www.1000dayssober.com to the podcast page, to Casey Warwick's podcast page, and you will find a set of show notes. Download that because they'll, they'll be really good. And you can find all the links as well. And if you want to join the 1000 Days Sober Experience and work with myself on a personal uh, coaching contract, then set up a call. Go to 1000daysober.com. Put your name in there. And uh, my assistant, Richie, the best assistant in the world, she'll set you up. We'll have a chat for 30 minutes to 60 minutes and see if we're a good fit. It's the only way that you can get into stride. The only way that you can get into the 1000 Days Sober Experience And we are opening up much more than alcohol now. So if you've got a problem with uh, cigarettes, you've got a problem with drugs, you've got a problem with porn, sex, workaholic, whatever it is, uh, you need some coaching with, um, get over to there um, and book an appointment with me and we'll have a chat about it. Okay. So without further ado, I'm going to shut the hell up, leave you in the capable hands of Casey Wallach. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the 1,000 Day Sober Podcast. My name is Lee David. I'm not an alcoholic. I refuse to be anonymous. I am someone that doesn't drink alcohol. I spend every waking moment of my life helping other people do the same. Like right now, introducing Casey Warwick. How are you doing, Casey?
0: I am so good. So, so good.
1: Uh, Casey, I was um, having a look at your Facebook page, Okay. And i got to say, there's a little bit of envy to come out of it. I was like, this is a girl who's in love. She's in love with a man. So let's hit it straight at the top, right? Because there's so many of us in a world who we think we're in love, but we're not in love. So let me smash you with a really complicated question. What is love? What do you think love
0: is? I think love is when we pull apart all the bullshit and ask ourselves, do we still choose this person? Most relationships, they always come with conditions. It's always, if you do this for me, I will love you. If you do that for me, I will love you. And we put these external conditions on what it actually is rather than looking at, are they meeting our needs of what love is? And society has been so conditioned to think that, you know, if we look good together, you know, if we're on paper, it looks good together. If we make enough money together, if, you know, people... Get, um, we get popular because we're together. Like that's how society has thought to couple these days. And they are not actually looking at if all of that shit fell apart, would I still choose this person? Mm-hmm. And that's how I define love. It's like if we had nothing, would I still choose him? Yes, I chose him when we had nothing. And when we can really start to look at that, that's when we can have a look at like love is an internal force in my eyes. And it is something bigger than yourself. It is something outside of yourself. It is something that you can't fucking explain. Am I allowed to swear?
1: Fucking A. (laughs) (laughs)
0: It's something that you can't explain that's bigger than yourself. And when people can understand that concept and stop trying to put it in a logical sense and just literally drop into what's really real for me, that's when they'll understand that.
1: You said something then about... When all is said and done, and you look and you say, Well, if I didn't have all this and I had no money and no life or whatever, would I still love this person? Right? It's like uh, one of the indicators. And it, it reminded me, think of um, The Road Less Traveled, which is one of the like 10 books I'm reading at the moment. And Scott Peck mm-hmm. uh, writing this page, it was really that really spoke to me of when we love people for the wrong reasons. So uh, in my previous relationship and at the beginning of this relationship, I was reading what he was writing. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was something about I need you no matter what caves in in my life because I'm selfish, I'm self-centered, and I don't want to be alone. And So how how mm. do you rec- – because I didn't even recognize that behavior in myself until many, yeah, many years
0: Yeah, so either. that's a codependency space. So notice I said I choose you, right, mm. rather than I need you. Needing is – you know, needing validation outside of self where they've put their, you know, and I talk about the POV, like the point of validation in oneself and they put that in the hands of another person. And if that person doesn't love them, then they're worthless, then they're useless. Like for me, if I'm really honest, if my partner would suddenly up and leave, it would hurt like hell. I'm not going to lie about that, but I know I'd be okay. I know that I'd work through whatever I needed to work through because I understand that, in any relationship at any time, I don't have control over him. And one of my mentors always says, you know, if I think I know my wife, then the relationship is over. And that's actually from Preston. And when it comes into that space of like, if you think you know your partner and you're deciding for them, like that they need to stay, that's then a codependent relationship. And it's quite unhealthy and it's quite toxic. Mm. And this can break down our pure, like, you know, For a woman to feel safe in a relationship, she needs to be in her feminine space. And for a man to feel safe in his relationship, he needs to be in his pure masculine energy. And when we don't have that cohesiveness and it starts to come into the wounded channels and the wounded sides of those, that's when that neediness plays out. And when the neediness plays out, it's no longer an empowered relationship. It just can literally fall apart. So for me, it's always, would I choose this person rather than do I need this person? right? And it's quite ironic I say that because the masculine, one of his things is like for his um, core needs is to, he wants to feel needed, right? But it's like, in what way can he feel needed? If a man is putting in way too much effort, he's going to walk away because energetically, he doesn't want to keep doing a lot of effort for little reward. That's just how, how it works. And when women can understand that concept rather than playing the damsel in distress, that's when we can get a healthy, con- like consistent relationship.
1: When you talked about um, your partner wanting that, uh, what do you, you know, you want not like needing attention, but like, Hey, I'm here kind of thing. It, it reminded me of Gary Chapman's love languages and, mm-hmm. and yep. me, me realizing that I really need to be touched and to feel like, loved and sexy and desired and wanted and I never knew that until it wasn't there
0: <laughs> yeah uh, and you know what so many people in relationships don't communicate what they actually need to feel love from the other and then this is also a breakdown in communication so for me and my partner this was one of the first things we ever did we worked out what our love languages were and like mine's words of affirmation and here's his physical touch so for him, he like if I'm not coming up and like giving him a shoulder rub or just you know brushing his arm past, it's not necessarily just sex. Like mm. people need to know that, right? Um, if I wasn't doing those things, he wouldn't feel loved. And it's not about the needing love; it's about the feeling loved. And if you're not feeling loved in a relationship, that's where it can start to break down as well. Because then we start to go, well, my needs aren't being met here. Is this real for me, or am I just putting a story in my head that this is how it's meant to be? And For myself, like my love language is words of affirmation and I am with a non-talker. Like I'll be really honest, my partner is men of very few words, but, you know, we've had to have the conversation of like, I need more communication from you. But I've also learned that in a relationship, a lot of people put everything on their partner. And for me, because words of affirmation is such a big thing, I then knew, okay, I had to communicate with people other than just my partner to have that need met. And I was constantly putting on this like, we need to have DMs and we need to do this and we need to do that. And all it was doing was putting a strain on him because he wasn't that person. So it was finding that fine balance of like, turn to your friends, turn to your girlfriends when you really just need to talk mm. some days. Mm. And then something in regarding the relationship where you need that communication, then bring it in. Like it's not always just about it's like, how are we meeting our needs and how are they effectively showing up in our relationship is it coming to the point where it's shifting into codependency or are we allowing ourselves to still be empowered in the space
1: it's so important what you just said then, because <laughs> the heart of addiction certainly what i see is this inability to this lack of relational literacy like they people don't really they're not very skilled at talking and communicating with themselves and certainly not good at talking and communicating with each other. And a, and a classic example would be, Lee, I want to stop drinking alcohol. Okay, cool. Uh, we'll hop on a call, we'll have a chat about it. But just be of these four things before we do that. One, do you have any money? Two, you're probably going to say now is not the right time. And three, have you told the person you share a bed with that you've got a problem with alcohol? And can mm-hmm. you believe how many times they are like, nope, not going to do that. So You talked a little bit about your partner acknowledging and understanding that words of affirmations means I'm going to need a little bit more of him in this department, so I'm going to have to communicate that to him. That must have been a little bit vulnerable, a little bit scary-ish, you know, at the time. Like, how do we get people to to look at their partner and go, "I need to tell this person how I feel and how I want to be treated"? Like, because obviously, people struggle big
0: time. So for me, it's funny that you say about like the, have you told your partner that you have this? Because that was my life before I met my current partner. So my learning about relationships and learning about the depths of it was me going through domestic violence and understanding, like I'd moved in with someone who I thought was just a really cool guy. And then I found out he'd had a serious alcohol and gambling problem when I moved in with him, which in turn just led down this very toxic path. Cause I was like, I was a coach, I thought I could fix him when in reality, I wasn't serving in the way that was actually empowering. I was more demanding. And in a relationship, this is where I see the first thing like break down is people demand their needs rather than actually communicate their needs. And when it comes to like being able to talk, what most women don't realize is their three core needs. Okay. So the top three is to feel safe, to feel seen and to feel heard. Okay. Okay the masculine's top core needs, he wants to feel like he's got space, he's got freedom to make his own decisions, and he wants to feel opened up to. So ironically, the feminine wants to feel heard, the masculine wants to feel opened up to. So in order for the feminine to feel heard, she has to speak. Mm. For him to have his needs also, she has to speak. Like, And this is something that you notice in relationships, the first thing that happens is they don't speak. Like, Someone will pull away and retract and then The whole needs, then the whole cycle of needs is completely broken down from both parties because if she's not hurt, she no longer feels safe, she no longer feels seen, and she will retract into victim mode of the wounded feminine, right? And then the masculine will go, Well, if she's not going to open up to me, how can I protect her? I can't step into my warrior energy if she's not there to serve me, like, and really open up to me. So, the one thing that I always um, teach when it comes to relationships for women is if we can understand those needs, then we understand why it's important to actually speak, right? And for most women, they're conditioned to think that if I speak up, I'm a psycho. I remember being called a psycho so many times when I tried to talk about my relationship to a man that wasn't ready for it,
1: Mm. right? And it's not to say that all men
0: are like this. It's just he wasn't in the space to hear that. And this is why it's really important to when you are picking your life partner, are you picking someone who is – Genuinely the right fit for you, rather than the right fit for your ego, because the right fit for you will hold you in your spaces that like when you need support. And it's like the way that you bring in those conversations. And for me, I always open up the conversation to, so that way all three needs for the masculine are met. So he has space, he has freedom, and he feels open to. And just to give an example of that, lady like, like how do we open up into conversations like that? I'll always say to him hey, babe, can you let me know when you've got the space so we can have a chat? Boom, I've already met that space need. I've also met that he's got the freedom to come in when he's ready rather than bombarding him with my emotional outpour, right? And usually by the time I've said that and then by the time he comes in, I've, gained, I've also gained clarity and there's no wishy-washy like trying to talk about what's going on because I'm already ready to have that conversation with him. And then once I've opened up to him, all I say is, I'm feeling this, this is what's real for me, and this is what I need from you because this is going to provide this for me. Now, this for me. So in what I'm doing there is the I feel is taking the blame off him, mm. okay? Mm. I need is showing him what I need, a masculine in their true essence, and, you know, you can probably just <laughs> say this with me, but the masculine wants to provide for what the woman needs, right? Right? It's in his core duty, like when he's protecting and loving a woman, he wants to be able to give her what she needs. And when we can tell him what it actually provides, it actually puts it on a priority scale up higher for the masculine when he knows the level of importance of what it is for her. Now, what I mean for that is most women don't realize that men are single focused, like whereas women can multitask and do a million things at once, men don't. That's not how how they work. And most women expect men to be like women, right? They expect women like men to sorry be able to do a million things at once. And and this was something that in the beginning of my relationship, I had to really work through because he'd be doing one thing and i am like, babe, and he'd be like still doing it. I'm like, babe, are you listening to me? Like, come on, fucking talk to me. Like mm. and then I'd realize, oh, hold on, he's single focused on the thing that he's currently doing. And as soon as he'd put his stuff down, he'd be like, What do you need? And understanding that was also like able to then go if this is a higher priority for me of what it's going to provide he will then prioritize where his single focus energy goes so if he's in the middle of something and it's more important to do the thing that I need he will actually put the thing down that he's doing and then come and give me the full attention that I desire and most women don't understand that and then they sit there and they go into this men are dumb they don't listen to me but they just don't know how to communicate effectively or they don't understand why their partner's acting in a certain way. And it's usually because, for example, if we look at addictive cycles and, and you know, personalities and stuff, that is always just the symptom of the what's going on emotionally, right? Whether it be man or woman, it's always something that's underneath. And usually if, if a partner's not having their needs met in a relationship, or they don't feel safe to truly communicate what's coming up for them, they will turn to something that can numb it. So they'll distract. There's four ways that people like lack of self-love, like the four strategies that people use, and that's to isolate, they'll control, they will distract themselves. So, you know, with alcohol or gambling or smoking or whatever it may be, or they will um, people please Mm. and, when people are in these four phases, you can tell straight away that a their needs aren't being met, and they're trying to have their point of validation come like met in some way or another.
1: Yeah, the it, it always reminds me of like uh, all of my addictions. Of when you look back on them, not in the moment you don't realize it, but they are intimate relationships within a relationship. It is whenever I, I read people's homework assignments on one thousand days sober experience. And they refer to their alcohol as their mistress or something, it really is a good metaphor. Like it's like, I don't have an intimate relationship with this person in my life, but I do have an intimate person relationship with this. It's almost like what was I reading last night? It might have been the road less traveled or the shame that binds you. He was talking about um, love for pets and mm. how and how you know pets, they can't like it's it's like it's almost like an enamant. Inanimate object, like all right, they lick you and stuff, but then they're not really thinking. They're not really going to like give you much shit. They're just, and that's why people like, oh, I love my pet because my pet's not going to give me any shit. Like my pet is going to be safe. My pet is going to be all these kind of things. But you know, I can't see anybody going through a relationship with its salt that is not going to have to work at it. Right,
0: hundred percent. Do we get?
1: Do we get lucky? Do people out there just get lucky? I have a friend, right? His name's Andrew. And he says, I've never argued with my wife ever in her life. And they're always really smile happy. And they've got a lot of money and everything's really great. And I think to myself, that isn't healthy. There's something they're not yeah. healthy.
0: Yeah. And like, you know, my relationship, if I were to put it like, if people had looked at, we've got a pretty friggin' perfect relationship, but we still have shit come up. We still have disagreements. We still have stuff where, you know, he might have one point of view on one thing and I might have another. And You know, it's how you can work through those that really determine the the strength of the relationship. If everything's always perfect, you've got nothing to really test the character, Mm. right? And I find for me like it's like how can you actually overcome these little things when you are in a state of struggle or when you are in this. Like when we argue, we're never yelling at each other. We're never doing this because like gratefully both my partner and I, we had – truly like done a lot of work before we'd met each other. Right. We'd both been right. in the personal development space for a long time, and but we had to do the work to heal ourselves. And through that, yes, we still have disagreements, but we just know how to handle it in a much more healthier way. And when you are in the space of like understanding that the reason this argument is present right now, regardless of what it may be, it is because there is a need not met. Like people always go on about like, I'll use cheating as an example, right? And they're like, they blame their partner. If if their partner cheated, they're like, fuck him, he cheated. And I'm like, let's actually look, like the amount of relationships I've actually worked with and with people on, on this exact topic is ridiculous. Because when we start to break down what's really happening within the relationship, usually it's because the needs aren't met. And that love language or physical touch is like usually the primary love language of men. Like, and it's not to generalize, but with nearly every man that I've worked with, that has been the case. And women, when we feel like we don't want to be involved, when we feel unsafe, we will completely retract from that. And we won't do, we won't love, we won't give affection. And because men are single focused, they get given that, they're going to run with it. It's a primitive force. And women don't see this. They're just like, fuck him. How could he have done this? And I'm like, well, his needs weren't met in the relationship. His primal nature is to have them met. And it's not to dismiss, like if my partner had ever cheated, yeah, I'd be hurt. I'd be heartbreaking. I'd be like, you've just crossed a massive point for me. But I'd also have to look at what was my role in that as well. How did it come to that? Was it A, was it the partner I chose? Or was it what was actually happening in our relationship? Because when it comes to, and do you mind if I just divert a little bit? Because this, yeah, is, yeah, yeah. this <laughs> is really interesting. Um, When it comes to choosing your partner, you also have to make sure you're on the same way. Like you understand how that partner's needs of love and affection can be met. Because for example, I've got friends who are like monogamous, like people and they just love that. Like that's all they want to do. And then I've got other friends who every relationship they've ever been in, they've cheated and they've constantly cheated. And it's not that they're a bad person. It's because they actually cannot satisfy their sexual need with one person mm. and some people are just like this right and it's not to say they're bad people they are just those people who need to be in a polyamorous relationship right because otherwise they're not going to have their sexual needs met and a I personally wouldn't do it I couldn't do it because I, I love just having my one partner and that's how I see see it in the world but you know if we take off the mask of like the conditioning of relationships there is a lot of cultures who actually play into that. And there is a lot of um, different scenarios where people are totally okay with that and they have built quite a happy life with that scenario. But it's just looking at like, well, what do I truly desire from my relationship and communicating that so the other party knows what they're getting involved in when they're actually in it. Is that landing?
1: Yeah, sure. When you, when you talked about polyamory, like, you know, the word that came up for me, there was respect. So you know, you you could, um, going back to what you said about getting your needs met, you know, yeah. who do we recently have on a podcast? It was uh, Natalie Kabenjian and we did the erotic languages. And I, I realized that I came out as a kinky and wow. my wife was a shapeshifter. So then yeah. it's like, okay, we need to talk about why I'm kinky and what it is about kinky sex that I is a need that I need to have fulfilled and say with a shapeshifter, right? Now that then is is having a respectful conversation around what your needs and your desires are. Now let's say that leads to, oh, what are your desires? In? I would love to have a threesome, right? And then your partner's mm-hmm. like, okay, that, that's like a non-starter for me because that uh, uh, crosses a boundary of monogamy for me. And I don't want that in my relationship, right? But you've had a respectful yes. conversation about it. Um, The opposite of that is you're drinking and you're smashing it and you're going out all weekend with the lads and you're just doing it. Drunk or not doing it, there's a lack of respect. You might be able to say, and I've done this in the past, oh, uh, I behaved that way because I was drinking and it wasn't really me. But you put yourself in that position when you were sober 100 percent that's a difference
0: yeah every choice we make in life has a direct consequence whether it be good or bad it doesn't matter you're gonna have consequences and you know I had this conversation just recently with my partner he'd gone out with the boys one night and fell asleep and didn't come home and I was like oh here we go like I got really triggered by it Mm. and then but as soon as we can he came home I knew where he was I knew the house he was at I knew what was going on I wasn't worried in a sense of like what was actually going on. I was just pissed off that he didn't come home. Right. Mm-hmm. And I also know my partner, if he has a few drinks, he falls asleep. So I sort of had to put all of it together. And then when it was like, when he came home that morning, I was just like, look, I'm not okay with this. Like, this is not something that I'm okay. I need to know that you're safe. And I just need to know, cause he just like literally just didn't respond to me, obviously from when he fell asleep. Yeah. Yeah. And he was just like, okay, I totally respect that. And we just had to lay some boundaries down. And it's not to say that, you know, people can't do what they want to do, but it's in a relationship, you are always going to be at the effect of someone else, okay? And if we talk about the cause and effect um, principles, when you have chosen to be in a relationship, you've actually chosen to go into effect, okay? Regardless, I don't care what anyone says because you are now playing into someone else's position as well. Right. You can be at cause for most things in your life, but how they respond in a relationship, you're going to be at effect of. And it's not to say that um, that's a negative, but it's just being respectful of, you know, how can we make this so we're both in a state of positivity with that and we're affecting each other in a, in an empowering way. So every time something happens where someone doesn't agree with, all we have to do is we and this is something that we do is we have a look at what are our I guess you could say unspoken uh, agreements that we've had within each other. So for example, I had an agreement with myself that if he goes out with the boys, he comes home. He had an agreement that if he goes out with the boys, he'll get home when he gets home. That's his freedom thing, right? Mm. And so for me, we both had these two unspoken agreements. So we had to come in and have a spoken agreement about what's actually the deal here. And the agreement was that, You know, we just make sure, A, he makes sure as he comes home and he's always safe. Like, that's as simple as it is, right? And But most people aren't willing to have those conversations or speak into what is triggering them in a relationship because they're they're fearing that they're a psycho or controlling, when in actual fact it's what you just said, respecting the boundary of the partnership. And what most people don't realise is when we decide to go in partnership... That means you have decided to share your life with someone else and sharing your life with someone else is going to mean you have to make decisions, not just in your own space. You have to think for a team now, like how is this going to benefit all of us that's involved? And you know, you've got a child and when it comes to those sorts of things, it's like, is this playing for my team? Is this truly going to benefit the entire team of what's happening here? And that's when we can really start to make some groundwork of like, okay, cool. So team, what are the rules that we're setting to like, so we can actually have a fucking good play here? Like Uh, how are we going to kick uh, this off and make sure that we run together and as fast and as quickly as possible?
1: I like the idea of plays actually, because, you know, when you get into a conflict situation and inevitably if we're not skilled enough, we get into this kind of blame culture and we want to be right but if we if we look at it as a sport as a play, and we 're in a huddle it 's like right what 's the purpose of this kind of like play right The play is that we are that we are happy and we both have a win win right so if that yeah. is if that if a win win is really important, then me being defensive that 's going to ruin that play like me me 100%. kind of like blaming is ruining that play, but it 's getting um, skilled enough and experienced enough that you that you'd call a timeout, I guess, to have the discussion yeah. on play, or it happens automatically. Whereas, I think where I am now, I'm missing the play, and then we're having a bit of a fight, and then straight away, I'm like, All right, I get this, and then I'm calling a timeout, and then I'm apologizing, and then we're kind of figuring it out. Where, where yeah,
0: yeah, but calling the timeout is actually super healthy, and this is most couples trying. They actually try and resolve the conflict when they're still in their shit. Yeah. (laughs) And it still works, right? And I'm just like, I remember I used to be a chronic, like, no, we're talking about this now, we're doing this now. And it was like all all it would ever do was just both people just get more and more triggered because you're just adding like fuel to the fire, basically. Is that mas? Is
1: that masculine energy? Because I know in my relationship, I, I'm i definitely like that. I'm like, no, we deal with this shit now. You you don't shut me down. You're trying to shut me down. Yeah. Where Liza's like, look, I love you and respect you, but I'm done with you right now. I'm not listening to you. We'll, we'll deal with this when you calm down. And I'm like, go oh, fuck it, i will be a calm down. You know? Yeah. So,
0: yeah, hundred percent. It is because it's the want to control and the want to get a result. Mm. Okay, so masculine is quite results oriented, but it's just dependent. Like it's actually quite wounded masculine, like because it's like the demanding side of it. And it's like when we can look at it from a sense of like, so where she's going, no, I'm not dealing with this now. Like that's actually like a stonewalling thing, Mm. right? When someone shuts down and retreats. But it's like, can we both choose to go self-soothe for 20 minutes? Like and When someone goes, I can't handle this, the other person has to respect that. Like they have to be able to go, okay, I'm, you know, my partner's emotionally flooded right now. They're not thinking straight. They don't know how to come up with an effective solution. So let's just have a time out. Like my partner, if we're in this moment, he'll go and shoot hoops. I go and have a bath. That's Mm -hmm. our method. That's what we do. And then we come back and we're good. Like we're able to actually speak into what our emotions are without... Mm -hmm causing further friction. Right. And just being able to reflect and come in. So for me, a bath drops me straight back into my feminine with him going and shooting hoops because it's an exercise. It's an energetic thing and puts him into his warrior energy. And it's just something that we both know works for us. Mm. So for a lot of people, they haven't had that time in the relationship to sit down and work out what works. And, you know, um, have you ever read the book um, Finding and Keeping Love by Harville Hendricks? So he talks about the Amargo principles and how we always choose people who basically reflect our parents, okay? And until we bring consciousness into that, we're going to continue to do that. And he talks into the three levels of like three stages of relationship and the first one is like the, you know, the honeymoon stage where you know everything's perfect, everything's all lovey-dovey and we love it and then we get into the power struggle where it's like, fighting for dominance, like trying to know out where we stand in the relationship and really trying to make sure that we are seen. And the only way that we can actually get out of that power struggle is to add consciousness into the relationship. But this is why most relationships break down from the eight months to like maybe the three-year mark because that power struggle can actually become quite toxic if we don't look at what our own toxic traits, because it's not just our partner. We all have toxic traits. We all have an element of narcissism in within us and it doesn't make us bad, wrong, or, you know, any of those things. We just have to be willing to look. Like the human side of us wants to make things wrong or right. Our spiritual side always knows that everything's happening for our own evolutionary growth and it's always perfect, but the human side wants to judge and condemn. Mm. So it's like when can we come in the middle and just understand all of it? Like, And that is how we grow effectively and add consciousness into relationships.
1: When you talk there about having problems between that, what was it, uh, you say, was it eight months and three years or something like that at that time? And you said that, you know, relationships can then break up. I actually thought about my first relationship, not my 20 year relationship with my first wife. And I realized I'm much more, uh, toxic spot actually is when there's no consciousness in the relationship and you just breeze past three and three years and you breeze past ten years and you breeze past 20 and 30 and 40 and my in-laws in this house now this they're gonna do the 50, and 60. And you know let's talk about this because I, I think this is really important for a lot of people listening. we'll use my life as a as the as the example. If you're both in the matrix but you don't know you're in the matrix then just arguing and fighting and this dominance kind of thing, and it's upset and not expressing your needs. You have no idea that it's even going on. So your life, your, your view of everything, your view of your relationship is pretty normal. And when you're surrounded by people and you're talking to them about what's going on, you know, my experience when I was around, there was people would just say things to me like, you fucking told your wife what? or you want to tell a what, or you want to ask a what. And, and the feedback from my friends was always, just keep your mouth shut, dude. Like you don't fucking say things yeah. like that. And so then, I know people listening to this, I don't think there's going to be anyone who is like not aware of what we're talking about here. So there's going to, you know, so I'm talking to people, I guess, who are just starting to come out of the matrix, but their partners are stuck in the matrix, right? How would you advise somebody? So if we look at my old relationship, I was pulled, being pulled out of the matrix. I'm like, got all this information. I'm starting to think. I'm realizing that I'm sucking this relationship. I'm shitting all this. But then when I try to talk to my wife, she's just like so in the matrix. She's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I've got no skill. I don't mm-hmm. know what to do. What advice would you give for yeah. men and women in that spot?
0: I think in this space, this is where we really need to come into like, are we honoring our own needs, right? And it's like a relationship – is the place that we go to give. Okay. And if we're in a relationship where we're like, yes, we want to honor our own needs and are we honoring our own needs? But is that the only thing you're doing? Because this is where we can have the breakdown in relationship. And when it comes to actually growing together, the reason why most parties and most relationships don't grow together is because they get to this idea where they're conditioned to think that that's just men or that's just women. That's just how they are. And the person who is starting to wake up and they're trying to get the other person to wake up, my advice is don't coach them. Don't try and force anything, literally be the example. And I'm saying this from experience. Okay. You know what it's like when you're around someone who is in their best self and they inspire you. You just want to, you want to be like that person, you know? So if you want to move forward with your partner and you are waking up, Stop trying to force them to wake up. Stop trying to force them to do the thing that you're doing and invite them to do it. Say, hey, would you like to come to this with me? Hey, would you like to do this? Hey, let's organize a date night. Let's let's make it a thing where we start to grow together. So for me and my partner, we have like, we do courses together to learn together. We do stuff separately as well. So then we can teach each other stuff. But we also sit down and like, for example, we do a money date once a month where we sit down and we, We look at all of our finances. We look at our shares in the stock market. We look at everything that we're going through. And we're like, cool, where are we going next? And we plan out what we're doing together. And it's actually quite fun. It sounds boring as hell, but it's fun because we're growing together and we have these common goals. When relationships start to fade and they distance each other, it's because they're no longer sharing a common goal. So my advice for the people who are starting to fall apart and one person's in the matrix and the other's not Is you have to look at A, can I see myself with this person in 10 years, truthfully? Because I may be that person that nudges a couple of people on the back and just says, is this right for you? Because if you feel like you're currently in a state of force, you are going to go backwards in life and you're not actually going to ever fulfill a relationship needs. And not only are you taking it away from yourself, but you're taking it away from your partner as well. And it's quite selfish. Mm. Okay. So for, A lot of people are in this idea that a relationship is forever and whilst I would love to be with my partner forever, I'm also a realist to know that humans are not like mated for life, okay? It's just not how we work. And when we can understand and and just be okay with that, we actually take this pressure off the relationship and you'll find that because then the masculine has his freedom, he'll want to come in and grow. He'll want to bring in, she'll want to come in because she'll feel safe. And when we can understand that, it actually flows so much more effectively, right? Like for me, knowing that at any given moment, my partner could possibly walk away because I don't control his choices, it makes me show up in my relationship. I'm not sitting there going, I need him. I'm sitting there going, you know, I choose you, and this is how I'm showing you I'm choosing you. And for most partners that are one's in the matrix and one's out, they stop choosing their partner when they've had a bit of growth because they go, they can't handle it. And they go, they're not there yet. And and, you know, they don't understand my way of thinking. Have you had the conversation to figure it out? Have you tried? Have you actually opened them up rather than told them? Have you talked to them? Mm. And this is the difference. You know, a lot of people go into relationship conversations, telling and lecturing rather than communicating And communication requires listening. And my thing for relationships is can you listen to learn rather than listen to judge? And listening to learn and getting curious about your partner again, just get curious about them. That's going to open so many doors for you because we still grow and change and evolve. And as I said before, the minute you think you know your partner, the relationship is over because you've just capped all curiosity and you've basically made all decisions for them. So it's even if you are growing, can you get curious about your partner and invite them in to your space again? Mm. Because I promise you, any woman gets invited into a space welcomely, they're going to open up. When they feel that I'm wanted and, like, if a woman feels sexy, she will fucking do anything for her man. I guarantee you. It's when a woman doesn't, that's when she starts to pull back. Same for a man. When he feels appreciated and needed in a sense of, like, you're my protector, all show up and this is the part that most people don't acknowledge in relationships it's like i say to my partner all the time you're my hero (laughs) like just in little ways and just stuff like that and even though it might be like an unconscious thing it's like that in his head he still knows that he's my warrior Mm. like you know i call him all the time i'm like you're my peaceful warrior i say things like that because i want him to know that he's my person that i feel safe with and a lot of women miss this part and they stop trying to make the other person feel special. Is that landing?
1: Yeah. I really, I really liked it when you said, uh, listen to learn, not listen to judge. So yep. very often I, I, i be like, um, okay, I, I, I want to practice this and I'm not going to judge. And then I'll, find myself slipping into it. And then um, I'm almost like, okay, I have to start this again because I just really screwed that up. I guess I guess I can be a little bit of annoying to be in a relationship with because I'm almost like a school teacher sometimes. Like, I've got to get this right. I've got to be this same container for you. Um, yeah,
0: but I think too in that though, we've also got to remember that us as humans, we're naturally prejudiced because that's our um, discernment to practice whether we're safe or not. Okay. Yeah. So if we yeah. think back to primitive days, we had to judge situations to know whether or not it's going to kill us or not. Right. So we've got that built in our like reptilian brain of what we are. And so when we can just like allow ourselves to also not beat ourselves up when we do it and show compassion for ourselves, that's when we actually open that channel even deeper when you're like, Oh, hold on. I caught you again. Cool. What did I learn from myself in that? Hmm. Like, like, all our judgments are just projections of whatever is going on internally with ourselves. And when we can have a look and go, okay, I just judged them for that, what's that teaching me about myself? Like where am I not open in that space for me? Do you want
1: me to share an example, Ashley?
0: Yeah, go for it. So um,
1: on the weekend I was at my sister-in-law's house, okay, and they were looking after Tia and we went out for a meal. And then we come back and they were watching Hamilton. Right? I don't know if you've seen it yet. It's on Disney+. Plus. It's fantastic. I right? haven't seen
0: it yet. Yeah. So we,
1: we come back and there's me, my daughter, myself, my sister-in-law on the couch, my niece who's like 16, sitting on the floor, and then my brother-in-law there as well. And we're all watching Hamilton. And my wife is mm-hmm. singing it. She's right next to me. She's singing. The subtitles are on and she's singing every word. And I start to feel really uncomfortable. One of the nieces says something. I'm getting more uncomfortable. And then I say... Um, is anyone else really annoyed by this? But I say it in a jokey, passive-aggressive way. And everyone's kind what? of like, oh, yeah, you know, just making a comment, but not. no one's telling her to shut up. So then I turn around and say to her after a little while, because she doesn't stop, actually, Liza, you're really spoiling my um, enjoyment of this thing. Would you shut up? And she said to me, don't tell me not to sing. And then she just sung even louder, right? And then later on in the night, I said to her, I got triggered uh, quite a few times today, you know, would like to talk about it. And she said, is one of them when I was singing? And I said, yeah. And we got into a massive debate about whether it's right to just sing when there are other people trying to watch the the TV, right? And I really upset her. And my original kind of like stand was, um, we shouldn't be doing that in front of people because it's affecting their experience of the movie, right? Then she said to me, time out, go and do some work on this because you've really stepped a boundary, right? And I did some work on it. I was doing Byron Katie the work actually. And I flipped, and I realized that I wanted to sing. I wanted to sing. And I feel like I can't sing because of societal conditioning, because people will think I'm stupid, because I'm worried whatever people will think about me. And then also I'm saying to my wife, don't express yourself when there are people around the room who don't want to express themselves. Like, so then I started thinking, well, what's that going to be like for my daughter? I wanted to sing. Now, if one of them turns around and says, Hey, can you stop singing, please? Because I'm trying to watch this. Now you can have a conversation about whether it's right or not to sing when you're being emotionally charged by this thing to sing, right? But I realized how safe I was playing and how I was slipping into societal conditional norms, right? And um, so I wanted to share that with you as a, as a, Hi. you're going into an argument with one thing in your mind that you really think you're right. But then if you do some work and reflection. Uh, uh.
0: Do you want me to just break that down a little bit more? Again?
1: I'd love to. Yeah.
0: Because that's also like the feminine in us wants to play and create and sing and dance and do that sort of stuff. And men are also conditioned to shut down that side of them yeah. because it's not strong. It's not, you know, like if men talks into emotions or they give into their emotional needs, then, you know, they're not the leader. Like that's how guys are literally taught and conditioned to think. But it's like, in actual fact, like notice that challenge that you had within yourself of just shutting down the feminine side of you. This is where most people come into addictive cycles because they've shut down their emotional intelligence because they don't want to listen to that side or they don't want to hear what their intuitive part of them. Like, you know, for example, you just wanted to sing. Mm. And so instead we project out and we become the wounded space of like the controller, or like the, you know, I'm going to just shut you down because I can't do it now. Or, you know, I'm going to go and distract myself and do this over here. Like, noticed in that that lack of self-love of you honoring yourself Mm. you distracted yourself with what eliza was doing yeah and it's just when we can acknowledge that like so for me for example i do the same thing like i'll get annoyed with someone if they're singing but it's because i love singing as well and then i just go why didn't i have the ability to just get up and sing then and i'm like oh i just put myself in a shame story because you know i didn't want to sing in front of others like Mm. and it's that wow, if we just got to really unlock as humans and just be full expression, we wouldn't have this. And this is why I'm actually in the work that I do this like now because it's so important for us to be able to express fully and comfortably in our truth of what we be.
1: Massive. Like I'm just thinking, and this is how massive this is, folks, right? Like, you know, Katie touched upon this earlier on is, you get yourself in a relationship and you think that everything's hunky dory, particularly if you haven't had this level of education or you're not consciously aware of thinking about relationships. And mm-hmm. you just get stuck in this thing. And you had the house, you had the wife. When you go out, you know, you said something earlier on about um, having, uh, loving the wife for, from an ego perspective. Like, so it's, hey, look, I've got this trophy on my arm, which really spoke to me. i got to be honest, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've got all your shit together. And then people are kind of like, helping accentuate your story by saying why wow, you look really good together or wow I'm, you your life is so fantastic and all this kind of stuff so that kind of like allows you to continue your bullshit story but then you go to watch a gig you're going to watch uh Depeche Mode or whatever and it's your wife's favorite band she's never seen them before and she grabs your hand and she says come on I want to go down the front and you stop and you say no no no, no. she said what the fuck what's the matter and you say well I don't want to barge in in front of people, because I, I hate it when they barge in front of me. And she's like, no, 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 come on, let's go down the front. I want to get down the front before this starts. And you're like, no, no, let's just stand here. That might seem like a, a real, like, just bog standard thing, like uh, an everyday occurrence in a relationship. Um, and that happened to me. That's obviously me speaking, right? Mm, yeah. a relationship ender. That, that is a woman oh, realizing, holy shit, I picked the wrong fucking guy. I ca- what have I done?
0: A similar thing happened to me years ago. I went to a, um, I used to be Jason Derulo's biggest fan. Like I loved him so much. And I was on this point of like, I used to be engaged years ago and him and I had broken up, but we were trying to work things out. We're trying to get back together. And anyway, he would came down. Um, I would moved away from Townsville and I moved back to Newcastle, which was about a thousand, uh, maybe 2,000 kilometres away from each other. Anyway, he'd come to visit me because We were trying to obviously work things out at the time. And we went to this Jason Derulo concert at the time. And I was like, this is going to be amazing. And I was like, get up and dance, get up and dance. And like, we were in the seats because we'd bought seat uh, seat tickets, but still people were up dancing and doing whatever they needed to do. And he just would not get up and dance. And I sat there with the shit the entire concert because I felt like I couldn't have fun with this person. And that was like, that wasn't the defining factor, but it definitely was one of those things that were like, I couldn't be free and fun and flowy with you, like. And for a woman to be shut down in her creative element, we are shutting down the feminine of her love. That's where she loves from. That's where her. You know, I, I look at women as like the glue in relationships, right? Where the people who come in and the men, they'll bring in the food, they'll bring in all the stuff, and then the women will make it all pretty. They'll put it all together and. You know, that's not to be sexist. That is primitive, right? Mm. If we think way back to the hunt and gatherer days where men literally would go out and hunt for the food, bring it back to the woman, and then they would create with that. They would make some kind of magic from nothing. Mm. And, you know, women have denied themselves that own power recently by being like, I've got to be like a man. It's like, well, hold on a second. You're denying your essence of what it is too. And for so long, that has been one of the big breakdowns in relationship right? Because um, I've sort of detoured a little bit here, but, you know, going back into like, what is our stance and what are we choosing in every moment? Like, are we choosing a creative force or are we choosing to live in like this shutdown mode and like not be able to speak our truth, right? And I feel, um, just going back to that primitive talk there, because women have been conditioned to think like they have to now do it on their own, they've actually shut down their own creative power in
1: themselves. They've gone too far to the other way.
0: So far. Mm. And it's this, like everyone's talked about this feminine rise for the past like 50 years or whatever. And I just want to call massive bullshit on that because it's actually been a toxic masculinity that's risen within the women because they've tried to do what men do. Ladies, you are not here to do what men do. You're just not. If that were the case, men would be having babies and naturally and doing all that stuff as well. And, Mm. We're here to play our roles together. Like we're here to literally play together, not to be better than each other. And when we can actually learn that and and work with it, like, you know, I run a business, I do all my things, and then I still love getting in the kitchen and cooking and and cleaning and doing that stuff as well. It's just part of it. Like, but women have denied that that side of them for so long that they're forgetting that it's actually enjoyable when we embrace it. Like... Is that landing? like? Well, I was thinking, else
1: yeah, I was thinking about like um, caregiving, for example. So like kind of the reverse of what you're saying, but the same, the, the logic is true. Is like in that concert example, you know, Liza could turn around and, and go, what, she could slip into her caregiving. Uh, so again, a little bit of like a biological kind of matriarchal kind of like anthropological thing. And she's just like, okay, uh, my husband doesn't want to go down the front. So I will a seed to his, yeah. his things right so that's like an unhealthy way of kind. you kind of like you can still be a caregiver and love him and but that that is a different kind of like a that's uh leaning into toxicity like instead of going hang on a minute you know when i go to a gig i want to go down the front um and if you don't want to mm-hmm. go down the front you know blah 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 but it's really more about i want to be free like if burning man helped me you know when hmm. i went at burning man with her and. We're in this place and everyone's kind of like naked or half naked dancing and I gotta dance. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? But mm-hmm. then just closing your eyes and just removing that external stimuli and then just feeling the music and just going with it and then opening my eyes and then I'm like, oh, as in all things in life, this isn't isn't as bad as I thought it was. And two, I'm really enjoying this, right? So um mm-hmm. yeah, I thought what else came up for me when you was talking then, which uh, I thought was really important. Is it going to come to me? Is it going to come to me? Nah, maybe not. He'll come back to me another time.
0: Again. I think I think you made a really good point there, though. It's like, can you both have fun together? Like, that is such a vital part of a relationship. And even if you haven't had fun in the past, can you just lean into it potentially a little bit more and just see what can come up just if you were to let go of the, this is what I'm meant to look like mask. Like I think a the, fun lot of together,
1: us- the fun together bit speaks to me. Yeah. I I meet a lot of people and I was one of these where you go out and everyone will be going, I love this guy. He's hilarious. But your wife's thinking, it's not like that with me. So it's not like you can't do it, but there's something that is stopping you from doing it. And it for me it needs to feel authentic. Like if I find myself in a spot where I am trying to be joyful for the purpose of being joyful, it ain't it ain't going to work. What what I found for myself is if I can get out of my head, if I can get out of my self-centeredness and put my awareness somewhere else in my body with my heart or my gut or whatever, um, mm. and I'm really in tune and I know what I'm doing and I'm challenged in life and I'm, I'm in the flow, then I'm just naturally going to be more joyful, more present, more happy. And then…
0: 100% because you're, you're out of your mind. Like most right. people literally cut themselves off at their neck. Mm. They live in their head and they forget that the other part of their body exists as well. And this is why we have so many cases of depression and anxiety and, and you know, like, you know, you deal with it. Like literally mm. like, you know, people having addictions because they're in their head trying to solve something when most of the time it just needs to be in their body, like to literally feel it. And I talk about it all the time, like when I'm healing people who have gone through traumatic experiences in relationships, like, I get them to be in their body. Like Mm. that's one thing that we actually do in part of the process because when you are trying to rewrite a story, you have to be able to feel it, to heal it. And most people aren't willing to, to do that bit. Like that, that bit is the most crucial part of anything. And it's just like, when you dance and you feel it, you feel free. Mm. like let's look at it from that perspective and just go okay so if I if I'm sad and I feel it I get to like actually experience what that is and rather than attaching myself to it and being like I am depressed just go I am experiencing sadness in this moment and allow it to move through your body so you can become free like Mm. this is the difference and this is the true work and like it doesn't matter how good you get in a relationship and how perfect it is. You're still going to have moments of sadness and anger and, oh, and guilt gosh. and shame and all those things. But it's like, can you allow yourself to be in it without judging yourself for it? Because mm. as humans, we're going to have all that. It's just fucking part of it. And, it's and, part, and part and of part
1: had that container and built that relationship where you look, you realize that your wife is sad and she's lacking somewhere and you don't make that about you. It's like, she's sad that yes. she needs some time, you know, just give her some space, like ask her, you know, just recognize her and, and, and see her and say, Hey, I'm here if you need me, but just don't make it about you. Like that's one of the biggest mistakes oh, that- I've made in my life. Oh, she's unhappy. That- that's that. Oh, what have I done? Yeah. You know and and, it, and it's because yeah, I'm totally. it's because I'm uncomfortable being around those emotions that I then
0: you denied them in yourself.
1: Yeah, cuz I just can't right. keep my mouth shut, be present, listen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But like I think I think it was Will Smith. I can't remember the exact quote. Like so don't quote me on this, but he said something like it is not my job to make my wife happy. Yeah. You know, and yeah that could not be for like closer to the truth than anything. Like women, especially they put their happiness in a man. They're like, if he's not providing, if he's not doing this, if he's not doing that. And like, you know, and, and then men will be like, well, if she's not giving me this, if she's not giving me that. Like, and we can do it. And it's like, it's ultimately like, how do you show up for your relationship? like, if you're coming in as a sad sack, then you're the person that's going to drain the energy in the relationship. Mm. So stop putting that responsibility to fix you onto your partner. Like take fucking ownership for how you be and where you actually stand in yourself as a person of integrity and go, okay, if I'm not okay, what can I do for myself in this moment? And it's not to say that Yes, sometimes people are just assholes and they're not good to be in relationships with because they might have some toxic traits that, you know, you just can't work through together. And it's not to say that you're a failure if that happens. It's just sometimes relationships are what they are. And two people may bring out the worst in each other. I watched my parents go through that. Literally, great people separately, but together they were like fucking volatile, right?
1: I was going to say to you, we haven't even touched upon it, we, we, we know, we're running out of time, but people need to remember that all this stuff we're talking about, in a lot of cases, there are children watching us fuck this up, right? So this yeah, this, this, is, this is not just... That when it comes to like, I want to make a difference in the world and I want to serve, when you look around you, like I'm 45, right? So I look around and I see people like me at my age who were parented so incorrectly, and they didn't know any different. It's, it's not just an isolated thing. It's like, it's like a stratum of disaster that must reverberate around the world. So we right now, with the internet and everything that's out there, and the opportunity to work with people like Casey and myself, we can now show our children, this is a way to respect yourself. This is a way to get your needs met. This is a way to have strong, healthy boundaries and to have a loving relationship. This is a way to deal with conflict. Mommy and dad do fight. But watch the way yeah. that we do it and the way that we deal with it. You know, it, it's yeah. massive. To so like switch yourself off and to just drink and to not deal with your stuff. There are kids watching this and they're just going to mirror you. It's so sad, you know?
0: There's one thing I just want to talk into on that as well, though. Like, it's just remembering too, like, and this is something that I dealt with in my childhood. It was whatever was going on, it was always the other person's fault. Mm. Okay like between my parents it was either my mom or my dad that was wrong depending on who I was talking to it was never them okay and this is what I mean by taking full integrity for yourself and how you show up to the relationship because it's about your team like how am I showing up for my team like am I being an effective leader in this moment and taking responsibility for my own personal being of who I show up as like Have I done the rituals that get me in a good state today? Have I gone out and exercised so I can actually think effectively? Have I meditated today so my mind is clear and I'm not taking the crap from yesterday into today and then having to deal? Because, you know, 80%, 80 to 90% of the thoughts that we have today are from yesterday. Mm -hmm. It's just a repeated cycle. And until we can actually get into our mind and start to go, I actively choose another way and I actively choose to show up better, we're going to keep repeating the same cycles. That's why you see people who, you know, they might go for the blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl and she's tall and beautiful and they'll break up with her and then they go for the exact same woman that that looks exactly the same, the next. It's because that's, that's a cycle that they have and they haven't healed their trauma from the past. So it's like looking at it and just being like, how do I choose to show up today? And am I showing up as my best self for my partner? Like, am I choosing them? Is this a way that I get to show them that I choose them by showing up for me so I can show up better for them? And for me, that's my biggest thing. If I'm not feeling good in myself, I'm not then going to go and put it on my partner because that's not his responsibility.
1: Yeah. And one, one thing that's absolutely shone through the whole hour you've been talking to me, one of them is obviously compassion, like this is yeah. what we're talking about, it's the human condition. We are human, this happened. But the other thing you've been screaming out is is radical honesty and one hundred percent responsibility. You know, like I'm gonna take full responsibility for everything that happens in my life. That's screaming out of you. So
0: Yeah. And you know, I'm a big believer and you work with me and, and like in the sense of like everything has a consequence. And even if you choose to be associated by like in a situation by association you still actively chose to be associated with that person that gave you the consequence. Yeah. Right. So when we take responsibility and we put it outside of ourselves, we're actually giving our power away. So even if we go, they did this and they did that and blah, 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 it's still giving a power away. So for me, everything comes down to radical responsibility for self, whether it be your relationship, your career, you know, your children, whether it be your own trauma that happened, it may not be your fault that it happened, But it damn sure is your own responsibility to heal yourself from that so you don't continue that cycle and pass that then on to your children as well, because all of this stuff matters. And the way that we change the world is by changing and owning ourselves. And there is nothing bigger than that. Absolutely. We cannot change the world from a hurt space. We just can't do it.
1: So Not from that wounded, that wounded ego. Get over there, Lee. I'm uh, I'm trying to come from the higher power. <laughs> Casey Warwick's been an absolute pleasure. I'll make sure everybody listening. If you are listening, get over to www.1000daysober.com. Click on the podcast page, go to Casey Warwick's own private little show notes section. You'll get all the links. Hire this woman, work with her. Um, whether you're a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. Um, she will change your life. Casey, thank you very much for being a guest on 1,000 Days Sober.
0: Thank you so much, like. Thanks for having me.